0: Welcome to Adjust Your Life, an integrative health podcast about you and your overall wellness with Dr. Tim Dooley and Dr. Patrick O'Brien. The content in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Today
1: we're covering a very important topic that's a growing concern in our country, and that topic is concussions and head injuries. Just about everywhere you look, uh, watching sports, uh, looking at... uh, Netflix or documentaries or sporting games all concerning concussions, and that's something that's a very, very, very big topic. Uh, According to the CDC estimates, 1.6 to 3.8 million sports and recreation-related concussions occur each year in the United States. 10% of all contact sport athletes sustain concussions yearly, and brain injuries cause more deaths than any other sports injury. Have you ever had a concussion,
2: Pat? Yeah, you and I have a pretty uh, significant past history affiliated with sports, And, you know, thinking back on that, I don't know if I've had a diagnosed uh, concussion per se, but I think the symptoms that we will get into here... Um, make me start to think that there could have been possibility to have met the criteria needed for that diagnosis. So, you know, it, again, it, we'll talk about what the symptoms are, what those things come from. And it's not just football. Well, tell it, me a specific
1: you know. time. Did you actually? Yeah, I think recall? for me
2: it was specific. Like I wasn't ready for an impact. I think I remember one time I was playing, I was running back and just had to step up the block and I just got totally blindsided, didn't even see the impact coming. So I didn't really have a way to brace for that and then obviously you know that that high impact whether you have the helmet on or not it's just you know as they say guide your bell rung I think kind of alludes to part of that what about you right yeah
1: I mean I definitely have been into you know a lot of collisions but I can only remember one time where I actually caught a pass running down the field I got tackled wasn't really paying attention kind of half-heartedly and then my head slammed the back of the the grass and as I got up uh Things seemed really dim and it took me like three seconds and I was like back to normal, went back to the huddle, no big deal. But I don't really know if that is a concussion or if it was. Uh, Today, you know, we have someone here, a special guest. His name is Dr. Doug Pugar, a neurologist with Dayton Center for Neurological Disorders. And he has a special interest in concussion and head trauma. Uh, Thanks for joining
0: us. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Uh,
1: This seems to be a topic that you know, hit a variety of different ages, you know, with Pat and I growing up, you know, sports, we played football, baseball, basketball. What else did you play? Uh,
2: I think everything same as you is usually four sports around the year. Yeah, everything
1: under the sun, I think we we delved into. And, uh, uh, you know, let's first start off by, you know, defining what is a concussion?
0: Yeah, so in real broad terms, a concussion is any instance in where there's a head injury Um, And that can be very broad. We can get into that later as far as what different mechanisms can cause that head injury. But it causes a transient alteration in neurologic function. So, you know, even that can be very broad. What you described um, as, you know, taking a hit and then waking up feeling dazed, your vision going dim, I can pretty much guarantee that was a concussion. Um, And most concussions, the symptoms are very brief um you know it could be if you've ever you know quote unquote gotten your bell rung hit in the head and get a high pitched sound in your ears and your eyes go crossed for a brief minute and you're feeling kind of dizzy even if you get back to normal very quickly that probably was a concussion
1: okay and what what substantiates you know concussions lasting or symptoms lasting 10 seconds versus a year or two years sometimes we see in our office? Is it just strictly the force of impact, or is so, it based off of a human body? What, what yeah, is it? so
0: there's actually a lot that goes into that. Um, you know, the overwhelming majority of concussions, the symptoms are going to be completely over within that same day. Um, a, a much, much, much smaller percentage will have symptoms that linger, but then still the majority of them will be completely back to normal within the first few weeks. Um, so when you're talking about symptoms that linger much longer than that, um, it's, it's definitely by far the minority when you consider how many total head injuries are happening out there. Um, there's a lot of different risk factors to go, that go into who's going to be more likely to have prolonged symptoms. Um one of the big ones is the total number of concussions that you've had throughout your life. Mm-hmm. Um that's been well demonstrated that for every subsequent concussion that you have the symptoms tend to linger, linger a little longer and maybe are a little more pronounced, a little more severe.
2: So there's, there's a diagnosis and I don't know if this affiliates with that, but known as like secondary impact syndrome mm-hmm. with that, that, so that's like root repeat so concussion.
0: Th- that, that, that does have to do with repeat concussion. That one specifically is a little bit different. What the second impact syndrome talks about is when, if you sustain a concussion and then if you get back uh, in the sports world, at least or you get back on the field of play before your brain is fully healed from that concussion and you take Makes another sense. hit too early, that can actually lead to this second impact syndrome where the brain very rapidly starts to swell and that can actually be fatal. Okay. Um, so those are those situations where you hear about, you know, people taking a hit on a football field and then later that same day they they die, um, you know, start to go into respiratory distress. They stop breathing and um, it very well could be due to that second and i I think that leads kind of in another point i wanted to make and speaking of having
2: played division one collegiate football um before we got to college before we even stepped foot on the football field they had to measure a baseline of what your cognitive function would be and it was Mm -hmm. performing very simple tasks like you know subtraction addition putting these blocks together you know very odd types of things to do so that if you did sustain sustain a concussion, they could then trace it back to you and then you'd have to repeat those same tasks and you'd have to do it in a certain amount of time or you couldn't complete the task. So that way you could avoid the secondary impact syndrome because they would know when you were cleared to return to play. Is that common procedure for sports?
0: Exactly. That's exactly what they recommend doing. And that's what it's all about is just making sure you're not getting that athlete back on the field and exposed to another impact before they're really ready. Um, unfortunately there's a lot of problems with those um, pre-performance assessments and stuff like that a lot of athletes unfortunately will intentionally kind of bomb their <laughs> their their early tests uh, yeah, that makes um, sense. Okay. because they worry well if i get a concussion i don't want to be kept out for weeks at a time right i'm not going to do my very best yeah and so a lot of it is just education and helping them to understand look this is you know, yeah, we might have to hold you out an extra two weeks, but it's two weeks and the rest of your life. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That, that is a hard one to fix, honestly, because you, right. you can't
0: eradicate that completely. That's
2: so tough. let's let's talk symptoms. Uh
1: You know, we have the obvious ones that, you know, headache, dizziness, lightheadedness. What are some of the other symptoms? I have a list here, but I was going to have you tell sure. me the most important, most common ones.
0: Yeah. So the the big things to watch out for, you know, say you're a parent, sitting on the sideline Friday night watching your kid play and trying to decide if they might have gotten a concussion. The things you want to watch out for as they're playing, um, you know, red flags at least. Obviously none of these guarantee that they had a concussion, but mm-hmm. they take a big hit and they just take a little too long to get up. Or they get up and they stumble around a little bit. They seem off balance. Um, That's the easy but, one to spot. There. Yeah, those yeah. should be relatively easy to spot. You know, Obviously if they like start walking toward the wrong sideline, mm-hmm. they look confused. Um, You know, any of those factors um, should prompt that athlete to come out and at least get an assessment on the sideline. Um, And there's a lot of different things that they'll test there. And ultimately, if they are diagnosed with a concussion or even if it's questionable, you know, they say when in doubt, keep them out um, because you don't want to expose them to that second impact syndrome. Now, beyond that, beyond just that uh, in the field of play thing. Some of the most common symptoms that can linger for days or even longer after, headaches are a big one, sleep disturbance, mood changes, cognitive difficulties, especially with trouble concentrating and things like that, Um, vertigo is a huge one, Um, a lot of folks with concussion have a lot of trouble with eye movements. Mm -hmm. So, you know, especially in visually busy environments, you know, they're on the highway or they go to the grocery store and there's just a ton of stuff moving around them. They just feel really nauseous, get really disoriented, get bad headaches, and it can be really disabling for a lot of people.
1: I think one of the things that I do, if I have a car accident patient or a worker injury or even a high school student comes in and they're weary of the fact they may have a concussion, I throw them on the treadmill And Mm -hmm. I make them walk for three minutes and get their blood pumping and start sweating. If that recreates the symptoms, and I know for
0: sure, Mm
1: -hmm. then I typically refer them out. I mean, is that a good way of doing it in my office? That's a
0: fantastic way to do it. In fact, for a lot of those, um, you know, we talked earlier about the, um, you know, some of these tests that they're doing to clear an athlete to return to play. All of that should include some amount of exertional testing. So you should should put them on a treadmill, treadmill, make them exert a little bit. And see if that brings out more of their symptoms.
2: So, why is it some of these some of these athletes will have a, a concussion, and you know, or not even an athlete, someone who's in a car crash or whatever it may be, having uh, symptoms from a concussion at lasts? week, two weeks, and then they're fine. Whereas I have patients who come in who are in an accident and it's been three years and they're still exhibiting symptoms for that. And mm-hmm. it's, they've each had the same amount of symptoms. Is it, is it, they didn't appropriately, you know, avoid certain things at the time, or is it just a worst case? I mean, mm-hmm. I know everyone's different. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And there, there is a lot that goes into it. You know, certainly um, there's a lot of concussion mismanagement out there. There, there's a lot of misconceptions about how to properly manage them. And, you know, not necessarily any specific doctor's fault, a lot of the science is changing on it just so rapidly. Um, so some of that could play into it, a lot of it too, you know, the concussions, or the, the concussion symptoms are so nonspecific. So th- this is another thing that can be very challenging. You know, one of the things all the symptoms that we talked about, you know, concussion, sleep disturbance, mood disturbance, headaches, Well, you take an athlete that has an ACL tear and is suddenly pulled out of their season and not able to practice with their team anymore. They're going to exhibit a lot of those same symptoms, you know, just from, you know, not being able to exercise like they're used to, being depressed that they're not on the field. So so that's another thing that's challenging with all of this is all of the symptoms in and of themselves – can start to feed into each other a little bit. You know, if you're getting frequent headaches, you're not going to sleep as well. You're going to be more moody. You're going to have trouble concentrating. If you're having a lot of depression, you're going to get more headaches. You're going to have sleep disturbance. Um, You know, so it it just kind of creates this web of symptoms. And the important thing in my experience is just getting the patient to believe you're not broken. Concussion by definition is transient. There is not a permanent injury to your brain. You can and will get better. Sometimes the symptoms do linger, but eventually if we just keep pulling at those threads of that spider web, the whole thing can and will come down. It's not always easy, um, and you just have to keep attacking it from a lot of different angles, but Mm -hmm. they, they can get better.
1: And I always feel like concussions and a lot of times with the things that we deal more with back pain is if you've never had it, you don't really understand it. Absolutely. And it's not tangible, Absolutely. so you get looks. You mm-hmm. get like, okay, you know, grab yourself by the bootstraps and get back in there. And where I'm leading with that is, there's always been a stigma, specifically with concussions. You know, 40 years ago, is get your back, your, get your butt back in the game, mm-hmm. yada yada yada. I was wanting to know, in today's game, not just football, but any sporting event, is there is a the stigma still there? Are coaches more on board with this? Are they being trained? It's getting what's better. What's the change?
0: it is getting better. Um, you know, obviously some of the, um, some of the media highlights of concussion has been helping with this. There's a lot more awareness and especially a lot more awareness of the potential long-term harm that repeated concussions can have. Um, so it is getting a lot better. Um, you know, especially parents, you know, looking out for their kids, you know, for the most part, you don't see a whole lot of that anymore where, you know, a kid obviously sustains a horrible concussion and their parent is yelling at the coach to put right, their kid right. back in the game. Um, you know, I- I'm sure that still goes on in some places, oh, yeah. um, especially in the more competitive leagues and things. But I think for the most part, everybody wants the best for their child. And, and, you know, the now that that information is out there, I think for the most part, everybody's just looking out for the well-being of that athlete. hmm
1: mm-hmm. um, You know, the rates of what we've, what we've come to find is the rates of football practice concussions and recurrent concussions across all sports have gone down in recent years, and that's probably attributed to the, to the uh, better governing of the injury, so to speak. But you know, according to the study, the bad news is that concussion rates have increased in football games.
2: Uh, I don't really know why, but you, can
1: you explain maybe?
2: Why? I, I think for my, my thing was, um, and I could be totally wrong, and you, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think certain diagnoses, whether, you know, totally off topic here, but like they're saying spectrum-based disorders have gone up and autism, things like, things like this. I don't know if that's necessarily true, and I'm relating to this concussion. I think it maybe the criteria needed for the diagnosis has become... We're diagnosing easier it to diagnose it. Yeah, yeah. I think th- I don't think yeah. the concussions have necessarily increased and I could be wrong, but I think it's I think they're people are getting hit just the same and just as much as in the past. I mean, there might, there's more people playing sports now, but I think it's easier to be diagnosed with a concussion than before. Or yes. like I said, yeah. I might
0: have had one, but I wasn't diagnosed with it. So that right. doesn't we go into the statistics.
2: we may have had 10. We have no exactly. idea.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's the increased awareness. We're better at diagnosing it. You know, at the higher levels too. a big part of it, especially when you're talking NFL, you know, nowadays, you know, pretty much everybody on the field is as big as Mean Joe Green was. Mm -hmm. And these guys are all running into each other, you know, at incredibly high speeds. So the amount of acceleration and amount of inertia behind every single hit of every lineman, um, they're just packing so strong of a punch on each other that the, the concussions are bound to go up with all of that extra inertia.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we have background in football, so we've been talking mostly about football, but we've been really hard on football. Uh, What are some of the other sports that
0: are just as bad or close to being? Sure. So yeah, believe it or not, actually, in terms of per hour of sport played, um, the concussion rates are higher in females than they are for males. Um, There's a lot that might go into that. You know, there, there's some belief that Hormone changes can play a role. They've done rat models and things and having higher levels of estrogen. um, The rats sustained concussions more easily. It took less of a force. Um, But a big part of it, too, is in general, females have thinner necks. um, You know, especially when you're talking football, all these guys have big, beefy necks. And much more than just contact with the head, the big risk factor for causing a concussion is actually the whiplash phenomenon that you get with a lot of these injuries. So having a, having a thinner neck without all those supportive, big, strong neck muscles, it's not going to take as much of an impact to cause that head injury. And, you know, along those same lines, that's why, you know, it's important to be aware that it doesn't always require a head impact to cause a concussion. A strong body hit can cause a concussion if it causes enough of that whiplash. Um, some of the worst ones, believe it or not, and this is a very common misconception, is female cheerleading. Mm-hmm. Um, especially you know with them with them being in practice, you know, they're all day long, they're throwing each other up in the air, and then they come down if the catch gets um, right. gets messed up, you know they're hitting and know, how many times they're, they're the flipping over, yeah, doing all those flips so. and how
1: I bet it's not governed at all. In practice, yeah, it I mean,
0: seems. And again, it, I think it's getting better, yeah. But, um, but there's just a lot of lack of awareness and not knowing what to look for. Mm-hmm. Soccer is another huge one, um, concussions in soccer are very common. Um, that's a big part of the reason a lot of the youth soccer leagues around the nation um, are starting to eliminate headers. They'll actually call a penalty on a child if they do a header to try to eliminate that. And only once you reach high school age are they letting kids head the ball. Um, So they are doing some good things, recognizing where the risks are, and just trying to limit total concussion exposure for these kids in ways that hopefully don't dramatically alter the game itself. Right. So I think
2: the big thing people want to know moving forward with this, which that's awesome information, but there's treatments once it's established you have a concussion or there's at least protocols to follow. But I think my question, personally speaking, would be is there any – physiologic way to limit the amount of concussions that actually occur is it just some people are more susceptible just how they're built or is it is there certain protocols i know this is a big reason i I assume wearing mouth guards helps to uh, sustain it makes the head kind of one more solid unit versus versus i don't know you tell
0: Mm -hmm. me what mouth
2: guards are created for right That's Mm -hmm. why I
0: assumed, yeah. Yeah, and and actually, the science behind mouthguards in terms of preventing concussion isn't isn't really all that solid. Okay. Um, because it's it's goes back to just all about being the angular acceleration of the head itself Mm -hmm. is, is really the big risk factor there. Um, really, the best ways to mitigate it are just, you know, teaching proper technique. You know, in the in the case of football, again, it's playing heads up football, you know, seeing what you hit. Um and you know up, bracing for impact appropriately um and okay. to a big extent too again just limiting total exposure you know so n- you, not every practice necessarily needs to be full contact or at the very least you know doing proper drills so you're mm-hmm. limiting those types of injuries that you're having makes sense
1: so okay. is there any sport that you wouldn't let your kids play at That's 7 the- 8 years old
0: that's a great question. It comes up a lot. And, Football and the, all the time. Yeah. the the You know, the age part is a good question because we do know that the more concussions that are sustained at a young age, the more long-term effect it can have. And a big part of the reason is because the brain isn't fully formed yet. Um, so that's a little bit of a tough one um, when, when we talk that young. But, you know, in terms of high school age, um, even a lot of the big concussion conferences that I go to, that's a question that gets brought up a lot, is should football be illegal? Why are we even allowing kids to play this? And to some people's surprise, uh, definitely to the surprise of the people who ask the question, um, most of even the big concussion experts out there say, hey, yeah, concussions are bad, but we don't want to throw out all of the good with the bad. We just want to educate ourselves about concussion, limit them if we can, but you can't ignore the fact that, you know, these kids, th- this is a, a big group of kids, some of whom, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, not everybody on the football field is necessarily the most athletically gifted person out there. But you know what, they're on a team, they're getting regular exercise, they're getting the camaraderie of that sport, Discipline. you know, we're, fu- they're getting disciplined, they're fighting childhood obesity by getting that regular exercise. So all the health benefits, that come from the sport, you don't want to throw all that out right. just because of a risk of concussion. You just want to educate yourself so that you catch it if it happens and don't expose them to unnecessary risk. So is it um,
1: fair to say that you'd be more concerned with
0: an athlete
1: playing from 7 years old if he's going to continue playing until his 30s as opposed to someone who's 7 years old and is likely not going beyond high school? So yeah, there's a difference I mean, there,
0: right? there's definitely... Um, we kind of talked about that yeah. before exactly. the podcast. In terms, of, in terms of all of the um, long-term worries of repeated concussions, you know, things um, like the CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, and things like that, the one thing that's clear is it's the biggest risk factor for it is total concussion exposure. So it's all those repeated concussions, and even mm-hmm. more so than that, it's the subconcussive injuries you know, where they're just, they're bashing their head every play of every game, every practice, repeated head injuries for yeah. decades of all this repeated micro trauma, And all of it does add up. Um, so yeah, it definitely does make a difference in terms of the total amount of years that, that you expect them to play.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
2: And that's why it's kind of got me bringing my kids with four boys and right. they're just obsessed with football. I, and having played at a high level of football, I kind of i go back and forth people ask me all the time when's your son's mm-hmm. gonna start tackle football and i'm like oh, i mean I flag
1: football know. didn't exist at that
2: age that's true well, we yeah. were and they're that. at least yeah. learning so the, they're understanding the movement of the game yeah they're understanding and being aware but you're right the, the the impact you're right can set them back if they're not but you know, like young the age, next so.
1: topic we're going to talk about here is you know maybe flag football maybe sitting on a couch but maybe playing real football but um you don't necessarily have to get a concussion only in sports, you can get them other places, right? Correct.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're not completely eliminating your child's risk of concussion just by keeping them off of a football field. Um, You know, as an adult neurologist, um, the overwhelming majority of concussions that I see in the office are not sports related. You know, these are people that have a bad fall at work or slip on some ice or car wrecks are a big one. Yeah, that's what we see. Um, So yeah, concussions are everywhere. They're not exclusive to sport.
2: Okay. So like the prognosis for someone who has a concussion as far as treatment is concerned at this point, I know we've talked about some treatments, but are there medications people need to take? Are there, they just have to be routinely up, you know, when they mm-hmm. come into your office at that point, how do you usually move forward with?
0: Yeah. So the, the most important thing there um, that we try to do, which can be very challenging, you know, there there are a lot of um, clinics out there where where you can try to get in early, but a lot of times, it's challenging to get in to see somebody with expertise in concussion in a timely manner, because so much of the important period is in those first couple days and weeks. Um, a lot of the misunderstandings about concussion management um, come into play. You know, if you're if you take your kid to the ER or the urgent care, um, because a lot of the even more recent recommendations. You know, it was only until a couple of years ago that this stuff started to change. So a lot of docs out there are still promoting what we used to call cocoon therapy. You know, you get a concussion, the recommendation was dark, quiet room, no computers, no TV, no reading, no school, um, no exercise whatsoever until you're completely asymptomatic. You need to do complete brain rest until you're asymptomatic. Well, they've since done much better studies on that and they prove that not only is that not helpful it actually prolongs recovery interesting yeah people do worse if you take that approach that's kind of what they treated our athletes with exactly exactly exactly. so now now all the concussion experts out there the recommendation is as early as day two start exercising. I mean, low impact exercising. Mm-hmm. We don't want, you know, really hard jogging or pounding on the treadmill, but get on an exercise bike, try to get moving, do your household chores, try to get back into schoolwork. I always encourage my adult patients, you know, get back to work if you can, or at least do stuff at home that simulates your work environment.
1: So is it bring it to the symptom level and then back off? Or
0: yeah. Is it just... So the, in yeah. general, okay. we, we say do any activity as long as it's not worsening your symptoms. So if you have, if you wake up with a four out of 10 headache, that doesn't mean you can't go for a walk that day. If you go for a walk and you still have a four out of 10 headache, you're fine. You're not hurting yourself. If you go for a walk and that headache starts going up to an eight, okay, back off, take a break. Your brain's telling you you need to rest, but get back to it later. Try to do Mm -hmm. that again. Same with schoolwork. So lots of times it's easier in the school age world. Because a lot, the schools are a lot more conducive to it than for our um, our working adults. But they, um, you know, for schools we recommend. Okay, you know, he's going to go back to class, but just do two classes a day for the first week. If he gets through that, okay, we'll bump it up to four classes a day, and then six classes a day, and then a full day, but more time for assignments and more time for tests, and then eventually clear to do the the full workload. Um, and it's same way with the physical. So, you know, starting with low impact stuff and then running, then can start doing their cutting and a little bit more of that, you know, jerking type movements and then um, light impact or at least planned impact drills and then eventually cleared to full play. So it's it's all very stepwise. And as long as you can make it through each step without experiencing worsening of symptoms, then you can keep moving through it. And it's definitely been proven that actually doing all of that um, helps people get better quicker. Because I'm a big, I always believe in the adage, you can't expect yourself to start feeling back to normal if you're not letting yourself act
1: normal. Yeah, that makes sense. I agree with that. I'm glad I, um, we brought that up because I didn't.
2: I'm learning a lot from this too. So yeah, this I was is great. always told that don't do anything. Yep. Stay I was home. told not to overstimulate the brain basically, like avoid TV and don't trying to think cognitively too much, but I guess you're mm-hmm. right. I just do it based on your symptoms. If you can maintain the same mm-hmm. exactly. current symptoms,
0: then than guess stick with it. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. And then, you know, once they get to that stage where, you know, if they're now two to three weeks out and they still have lingering symptoms, well, now we like to get pretty assertive in terms of actually starting to manage the symptoms directly. Um, so this is where if they're still having really horrible headaches I might consider a migraine prevention medicine or something like that. But even more important than that, it's, the, it's therapeutic type stuff. It, it's the physical therapies. Chiropractic therapy is fantastic um, for a lot of these folks, especially it's been shown that um, not only can a lot of the headaches stem from some muscle tension and, um, and nervous issues within the neck, um, but a lot of the vertigo, it seems as much more related to neck issues than it is inner ear. Um, Because patients tend to respond a lot better to things like spinal injections and chiropractic therapy or other manipulative therapies, certain types of physical therapy, than they do from vestibular therapies, which is usually our first go to whenever we're treating somebody with dizziness, um, which can be a really bothersome symptom. So, you know, all of those manipulative type medicines are huge. And then one of the b- very big ones that unfortunately is a challenge to find access to is cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and this goes back to that whole aspect of, you know, kind of like we were discussing before, how, you know, you all of a sudden have all of these different symptoms. It's very easy to start to think, oh, gosh, I'm broken. I never had any of these symptoms before. Now I got all of this. Life is horrible. I can't function. And cognitive, th- uh, cognitive behavioral therapy actually has some of the best data behind it for improving just about every concussive symptom there is Hmm. because it's all about just identifying those negative thought behaviors and correcting them and, you know, convincing yourself that you can get better. And that is a hugely important step to actually help you get there.
2: Yeah. For us with, with, you know, leading into chiropractic, um, we, I would say we're not usually the portal of entry when someone has to the healthcare system when someone has concussion. I mean, I'm sure it happens occasionally, but you know, you need to know when to refer to someone like a neurologist, like Dr. Pugar here. But whenever we see these people, usually, like you said, it's a couple of weeks after or even a couple of months at that point. So that's when it would be beneficial. And that's where it, things you're right. Could stem from maybe it is a cervicogenic based headache where it is coming from the cervical spine or a tension based headache. And in the, and the, kind of what I tell my patients is I've heard literally, you know, verbatim, what you just said, I've had a patient say, you know i i'm i'm never going to be the same this is my this is going to be lifetime oh, yeah. i'm broken mm-hmm. and i think to some degree you know you're right maybe we can fix a lot of the, the remaining symptoms from chiropractic but almost like a type, type of psychosomatic syndrome they've almost convinced themselves they're going to have it and even if you you're, this is where the like, cognitive behavior comes in because if you don't get that out of their head even if you fix mm-hmm. the problem it's almost like they're still expecting the problem still still be there mm-hmm. so it's it's you know it's interesting to try to make sure you you know that you have to obviously proper properly evaluate that patient. Yeah. but you've I've got to got to treat the whole person. Oh yeah, right, yeah, for sure. And I know you've had patients with concussions as well. I know we both have. Oh, I've had you, a I, number you, of them, and yeah, you probably um, have more than me. So
1: yeah, I've seen, jeez, uh, quite a number of them. You know, the great majority of them always have a neck. cervical spine issue or a musculoskeletal issue absolutely almost every time. Ringing of the ears is a big one for me, consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, And I usually start referring patients out when they do have the cognitive issues where, you know, that's not my specialty. So I try to refer them out with that. Um... We've also done this, referred some patients to vestibular therapy as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know how good they've done before, but Yeah, uh, usually neurologists always the go-to for me.
0: It, it's always worth trying it because you know, I I love all of those different therapeutic modalities. I think it's important yet yeah, vestibular therapy, yeah. physical therapy, occupational therapy, yeah. ocular therapies is a huge one. Um but um you know, it's, it's, it's definitely worth trying vestibular therapy because you have nothing to lose. It's a very safe yeah. thing to do. It's not going to harm them in any way. Um, and if their dizziness might be vestibular in nature, then that could be a grand that slam for that patient. Yeah. So it's definitely worth at least trying it. Um, but a lot of it, um, just as you guys were saying, it does stem from the neck. Um, by definition, actually, every concussion involves at least some level of whiplash injury. Mm-hmm. Not every whiplash necessarily involves a concussion, but, um, they, they do always, th- there's always some of that they go together, running hand in hand with each other. Nine times out of 10 or so. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know, if I have a kid or a family member, you know, what's the first, where do I take them first? Let's say, you know, it takes months to get into a neurologist. Uh, the chiropractor, we could probably take you the next day. Uh, where would you recommend them going right away, so or it, should they sit there and wait?
0: And it, that can be a that can be a difficult thing to find because you know there's not a lot of people out there that advertise. You know, I'm I'm up to date on everything concussion. Um, I think the best thing you can do, you know, get, try to get in to see a healthcare provider, um, but educate yourself on on what the latest science is on this stuff. And know that if you go somewhere and you are still told to do the cocoon therapy and that kind of thing, you know, don't nothing against that provider that, as I said, the science is it's it's still new science. So mm-hmm. not everybody might have the latest information on it, um, but you educate yourself so that if you hear something like that, you can say, hey, I, I heard there's different science out there now. That's not the way we're actually supposed to be going and, and just keep searching and You know, you're you're going to be your own best advocate on everything. And so, you know, you want to make sure that you're you're sticking up for yourself and making sure that you are getting yourself the best care that you can find.
1: Okay, I have one last question. Is there any are there any at home tests for a parent to do to kind of say, oh, yeah, he's this one's struggling a little bit.
0: Is there there, there are some out there. the the validity to them um, is kind of hit or miss. Mm-hmm. There are some cell phone apps um, that do things like track eye movements and all that, but you okay. really need to have a baseline um, before right. they're even valid. And then and then even those, um, you know, I'm not aware that the um, sensitivity and specificity is really there to truly be diagnostic. Um, you know, the, the probably the best um, rule of thumb for it is if you're, if you're worried about your child is, do they seem like themselves? You know, if they're, if they're more grumpy, more irritable, not sleeping, um, you know, seem dizzy. Um, you know, if it's, if you can just tell your child is not your child after they sustained a hit, get them checked out. it might, it might not be concussion. You know, kids can be moody sometimes too. And sometimes that's all it is. Um, but it doesn't hurt to at least get it checked out.
1: And no one knows their child more than their parents. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. Well, that was very interesting. I got a lot of information out of that.
2: Yeah, likewise.
1: Yeah, that was great. Really appreciate you stopping by, Doctor Pughard. Do you have any? It was my pleasure. Any final words before we part?
0: Um, now you know the, the biggest thing. Yeah, as I said before, if I could, um, I, I try to stress to every single patient I see because um, I know concussion symptoms can be miserable. Um, they are horribly uncomfortable. They get in the way of everything that you want to do. Um, but don't let those horrible symptoms convince you that you're broken. Um, refuse to give up, refuse to quit, you know, keep fighting to find people that will help you through those symptoms and you can, and will get better. Very good. Very good.
1: Now I always try to inject a little bit of humor into my podcast. So here it goes. When you watch an NFL football game, and you see the independent neurologist evaluating one of your favorite team's players, how on God's green earth do they know that he's not a fan of the other team, a different team, of the same team? How on earth do they do that? I have to know that answer. <laughs> That's, Does, do, you want, do you guys feel the same way when you're watching a game? Like, I think you and I have talked this, about this. This neurologist is a yeah. Steeler yeah. fan, <laughs> and he's trying to keep this Bengal player out. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I. That's a good question. I don't know how they actually enforce that. I mean, I, I would like to think as a as a member of the medical community that my neurology brethren <laughs> would be um, would Unbiased, be impartial, impartial. And, and try to be uh, ethical about everything. I actually know
2: exactly the moment you're referencing right now. By the way, <laughs> which one? Yeah. I won't throw one of the bus. No, I mean it was uh, you know with a lot of these big injuries. There was a, a play uh, in a playoff game in the past when the Bengals were playing the Steelers and. Uh, the quarterback for the Steelers oh. went out and was injured and missed the whole game and had a head injury. And then, lo and behold, final drive. They need to win the game. He comes back into the game. I thought, that's interesting. He's been out the whole game with head injury. Now he doesn't. It's But, you know, you don't know. I'm not on the field. I have no clue. I'm it not in New exactly. It just yeah. makes you wonder.
1: It just makes you wonder because just about every male that age is, is from a city, from a town, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, have, I do agree with what have you're some saying. Some level of fandom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's all we got. Uh, as always, if you have a topic you would like us to look into, email us at adjustyourlifenow@gmail.com. at gmail Good night, everyone. Thank you.